Um, well, good morning, everyone. Well, um, if you've been with us the last few weeks, um, you'll know that we have been following a series called Moving Forward. And in that series, we've been looking at how the Israelites moved um, from that place in the desert to the promised land. So we've been looking at that move. And we've thought about the fact that following Jesus is also often described as a journey. In 1 Peter, we're described as aliens. This is not kind of our final place. This is not our home. This is not the place where we will be. This is not just it. But actually, we have an inheritance, a promised land that we are going to. Even um, Abraham, who was given the original promise that they would go and there would be a land and a place for him, even he, we're told, in the book of Hebrews, it says, He made his home in the promised land, that's the physical place, like a stranger and a foreigner. Because he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Ultimately, our promised land is heaven. However, as we saw the other week, Just like the Israelites here um, had a physical place to call their own, a, a promised land, we also see that we too can see this as a reality in the here and now. It is not just something we inherit when we die, although we'll see the fullness of it then, but there's an aspect of it here and now that we can see. So let's just be clear, though, that that isn't necessarily, like it was for them, physical blessings. This is not just about health, wealth, prosperity. It's quite clear in the New Testament that the kind of blessings we receive are real joy, real peace. Those kind of uh, solid foundations, real security that we can only know in Jesus that no matter what our circumstances around us are doing, we know that joy. We know that peace. We know that security. And that is far more valuable to us than just say, here's a lot of money. Because we all know, don't we, that financial security is as unstable as that. Anything could happen. But if we know real joy, real peace, real foundations in Jesus, that no matter what happens, we are secure in him, then that's something. That's a real inheritance, a real promised land that we can know now. And God wants to move us further and further into that place, not only as a community at Portsmouth Church, but as individuals too. That no matter what's going on in our lives, we can know that real security, real promise, real hope here and now. So I want to start this morning because our title is God's Surprising Work. God's Surprising Work. So I want to start by asking you, look back briefly at your life, however long or short it's been. And what has been... Surprising. What have you found surprising 
about your life. The expectations and assumptions you made, does your life now look a little bit different to how you thought it would? Is it a surprise the job that you've ended up in? Is it a surprise where you live that you're stuck in Southampton? That's a surprise to me. (laughs) Is it a surprise the age that you've lived to? Or has it been a surprise maybe the illnesses that you faced? It wasn't maybe what you had planned. When we read the Bible, it's full of people who are surprised by God. They were surprised where God led them. They were surprised how he used them. They were surprised where they ended up living. They were surprised where they ended up working. And some of the purposes and plans for that were seen by some of them in their lifetime. Some of them were able to see, I know now, like Joseph when he got to the end, I can see now what God was doing. But others like Abraham never saw the full reality of it. He only saw it from a distance. So in our lives, they might be confusing, they might be surprising. Knowing God and moving forward with him is never predictable. He loves to surprise us. Sometimes we really wish that he didn't surprise us. Seriously, Lord, you're asking me to do that? (laughs) We don't want it, do we? This is not what I had planned for my life, thank you very much, God. This is not how I saw my retirement working out for me. This is not how I saw my 30s and 40s I had a picture of what that was going to look like for me and we don't see it and Jesus from the Bible caused our biggest surprise isn't he he could have chosen to be born maybe now had the best hospital the best medical professions he could have chose the financially secure mum who you know but he didn't did he he chose a poor teenage mum He chose a time of not very much medical um, stuff was available. He chose a stable to be born in, not exactly cleanliness. Of course, his friends were surprising too. He didn't choose the rich and the powerful, but the poor, the lost, those with mental health issues, those in the sex industry, and biggest surprise of all, the cross. He could have chose legions of angels, Maybe there could have been another way, but he says, not my will, God, but yours. And he chose the cross for who? For us. So what is your God doing in your life right now? In our church, is it surprising you right now? Whatever it is, though, you can be sure that it is leading you, if you are trusting in Jesus, to a place of unapologetic blessing. That place of real joy, real peace, real security, that you may see now, but you may not see it until we come into our real inheritance. This morning we're going to look at Joshua chapter 2, if you'd like to turn with me. And it's a familiar story to many of us, Rahab, and the spies, and we're going to be thinking about this morning what is surprising about 
this story, what God surprises in here for us. So we're going to read it together, um, Joshua chapter 2. If you've got it, here we go. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up onto the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in hot pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Shihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you have completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord, your God, is God in heaven and above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives. The men assured her, if you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return and then go on your way. Now the men had said to her, This oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into your house. If any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible as for those who are in the house with you. Their blood will be on their head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them on the away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. 
When they left, they went into the hills and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then the two men started back. They went down out of the hills, forded the river and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. <laughs> this is a brilliant story, isn't it? It's the sort of story that if you've got boys, they desperately want to hear again and again. But girls also, I'm sure. It is amazing. It's got two crisis points. The da 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 there's a knock at the door. What's going to happen? Here they are, soldiers outside. And where are these men hidden? Are they hidden in a secret trap door? No. They're just under a few bits of straw on the roof. All these soldiers have got to do is enter, and that's it. Secondly, the doors of the city shut. Dun, dun, dun. This is great, isn't it? Now what are they going to do? If they go out in the street, they look different. They have a different accent. Everyone is on red alert, and these men are being watched for. What is going to happen to these men? It's a story that needs telling, isn't it? You can imagine the Israelite community gathering around the fire at night and someone telling it to them and embellishing bits of it. I heard about this Jewish um, guy, he was writing an article, and he said how his mother used to enrich the stories. And it was only when he read the Bible for himself as a teenager that he realized that those characters didn't exist because his mum had added loads of stuff. But here we've got crisis, we've got espionage, and it's full of surprises, isn't it? We have a God of surprises. And God uses this surprising woman, doesn't he? He uses her. Become a hero of faith. Not just for the people of Israel, but for us too. She's in the hall of fame of Hebrews chapter 11, the by faith people. She's there for our encouragement. And we read in Hebrews chapter 11 that by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who are disobedient. So we're going to look at three surprising things from this passage. The first one, if you're writing stuff down, not many people do. <laughs> we might be surprised by who God chooses and uses. We might be surprised by who God chooses and uses. The end result of the operation was that Joshua was encouraged, and the people of Israel knew, didn't they, that, it, that God was further with them. And he could have done that any old way, but he planned to do it this way, because he had a bigger plan alongside as well. He had two plans simultaneously running, and his plan was also to rescue a family, to rescue a family. So who were this family? Who were they? We know a little bit, don't we? Well, you've heard the expression, a hole in the wall. These guys lived in a hole in the wall. And um, if you look at, um, I've did a little bit of looking on the internet and books and stuff, and it appears there were two walls. There was like the inner city wall and the outer city wall. So she must have been on the outer one to let them out. Now this bit in the middle was like the slum area. 
This is like the unsavory area. This is the estate you don't want to live on. And this is the family you don't want to live next to. This is where we're at, okay? This is where we're at. This is a family trapped, we might say, today in poverty. And they're relying on people paying for sex to get by. Rahab is the only one named. We know that she is really clearly identified as a prostitute. Their future of this family, we could say at this point, is predictable. Like many people caught in the sex industry, it passes from generation to generation. And for Rahab, thinking about her children, what's the future for them? Well, when no one wants to pay for her anymore, who are they going to be paying for? I'll just leave that with you. The future is bleak. And like the woman that Jesus met at the well, maybe she's socially isolated a bit. Maybe that's the person you don't really want to mix with. You don't want your children playing with her children. But someone knows this family really well, and that person is God. And he, the God of heaven and earth, is coming to rescue this family. This is the family that he wants to rescue. Of all the places the spies could have gone in the whole of Jericho, they choose this home to go. They choose this home. And God in his sovereignty weaves circumstances, weaves the way we move, because he's led them to this home. Life can often seem, can't it, a random set of choices. And on one hand, yes, we choose But on another, if you hadn't done that or you hadn't met that person, then where would you be now? God has a plan. I was thinking, did Rachel have a plan when she went to water her father's flocks that day? Probably not. Um, Did Moses have a plan when he went into a rage one day and killed the people beating Hebrews? Probably not. And did Joseph know the plan of God when he was sold that day at the slave market? These seem like pretty, some of these seem like bad circumstances. But God had a plan that day and his plan was Rahab. We might be surprised that God choose to go in and rescue a stealth operation to get this prostitute and her family. But as I thought about it, I thought, actually, I don't think that's that surprising. And do you know why? Because we look back from the cross of Christ, don't we? We know verses like, no one is righteous, not one. We know verses like, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We look back at Christ who chose prostitutes. We look at Christ who chose people that no one else would choose. And we know that it's by grace we've been saved. We weren't anything special. But the spies would have been utterly astounded. Here they are in Canaan, in this city, powerful city with immense uh, worship of different gods. They're in the slum area, they're in a prostitute's house. And here they would have been utterly surprised to find not only a Canaanite, but a woman who says the following words, I have heard and I know. I have heard and I know. She believes. 
So I want to ask you a question. This is our first question for the day. Second, actually, I had one at the beginning. Where would you be astounded to find faith today? Where would be the most unlikely place that you could find faith? Almost impossible, we might say, to find someone who would declare to you, I've read the Bible, actually, and I know it's true. I've heard of Jesus, and yes, I do think he's the saviour of the world. Is it a people group, a country... Is it a type of person, an academic maybe, a successful self-made millionaire? Is it someone in your tutor group, someone in your place of work? Yet we should not be surprised that God is at work because he wants all men to know him, all people. He is at work. The God of the universe is there already at work in every person you can think of. He has led each of us to a certain place at a certain time with certain people that he is longing to rescue. Second question, who would you be surprised that God is using to teach you or to help you? Rahab, she wasn't mature in faith. She didn't uh, sign up to any particular statement of faith. She wasn't all cleaned up. She wasn't acting like she'd got it together. But of course God doesn't use churches or people or organizations or governments. We know this, but we need reminding because they're clever or beautiful or have it together. He uses anyone and everyone to accomplish his purposes. So are we willing to partner maybe with people we think, I don't really want to work with them? Because they haven't got it together. Well, they don't believe this. Third question. Would you be surprised if he used you? Would you be surprised if he used you? You might be thinking, what could I do? I'm a nobody. I'm just not brave. I'm just not extrovert. I'm I'm no good at talking to people. Well, welcome to the club of the people that said, but, to God. But, but, I can't, but... And God says, but I am, I am. It's not what you can do. We know this. But who's doing it with you? Secondly, we might be surprised by what God asks us to do. We might be surprised by what God asks us to do. Rahab does two things, two acts of faith. Number one, the very first thing required of her is her life. She's hiding the spies. Big deal? Very big deal. When those soldiers come to the door, what is on the line? Her life? Her parents' life? Her brothers' and sisters' life? Her children's life? Everything is on the line here. And should we be surprised that God wants our life? It's not just about being alive or dead, is it? It's about everything we hold dear. So that's our home. That's our children. That's our husband or wife. Our friends. Our achievements. Our education. Our hopes. And our dreams. Everything. Jesus wants our life. And like Daniel... When they, if Daniel's friends, when they were about to go into that fiery furnace, if it perishes, it perishes. But I will follow the Lord. 
These are harsh, hard words to follow, aren't they? What areas of your life are you not trusting him with? We need to ask for more faith to trust, to protect, to rescue, to redeem. Those areas we don't want to let go. We don't, I want to hold this, God, because actually I can trust you with that, but I'm not trusting you with this right now. If you took that from me, that would be it with us. If you remove that from me, I would not follow you anymore, Jesus. There are something for all of us. Jesus says anyone who loves his life will lose it. But those who hate their life, that is in comparison to what Jesus offers, will live. Um, Right now, we've been praying this week, haven't we, for our brothers and sisters across the world who are trying to register their church. Their lives are on the line. Maybe not in terms of alive or dead. But it's going to affect their families. Their children might be terrified. Their businesses might fail. They might spend a lot of time before the authorities. Jesus wants our life for his life. Secondly, second thing Rahab does She follows this simple command that the spies give her. Tie a red cord in the window. You're what? (laughs) I'm going to tie a red cord in my window? You're what? So you don't want me to flee on this day to the mountains. And you don't want us to build a safe house in our house. You want us to tie a red cord. Okay? So when the army comes in, and when the walls come down, they didn't see that coming, and historical uh, archaeologists have found that bits of the wall didn't come down, no one could have expected that this cord in the window was going to save this family. When they're huddled in the house, you can imagine, it's probably quite a small house, and the whole family is huddled and gathered and gripping on To what this tiny red cord, they are listening to the screams outside the door. And Jesus asks us to do the same, doesn't he? He says, cling to my cross for deliverance. Hide in me for your salvation. Really? A cross? That is what you're asking? I don't need to do something else. Because it would have been tempted, wouldn't it? This family barricade the door, maybe run, go somewhere else, hide in the hills. But they cling to the red cord. And clinging to it just seems foolishness to those that are perishing. Can you imagine someone outside saying, you're going to trust the cord? What? And people saying, you're going to trust the cross? We cling to Jesus. Nothing else protects us. It's the only thing that's going to deliver us from total destruction. And I've got to say this morning, it's as simple as clinging to that cord in the window. But it's also as hard as clinging to that cord in the window. Finally, you might be surprised by what God does. You might be surprised by what God does. Joshua 6, a bit later on in the book, says this in verse 25. 
But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho and she lives among the Israelites to this day. Rahab and her family were not just alive instead of dead. They didn't say, cheers, thanks very much, guys. We're on our way now. No. God offered them life. Not a dead or alive. Life. That's what he offers us. New Testament says life to the full. They didn't just go on their way. They were taken into a community. They lived amongst this community. They became part of the holy people of God. They learnt the commandments. They knew his promises. The promises that were Israel's became hers and her family. She married. They had children. They became totally part of this community. And what happened to Rahab? Well, most of us will know, but let's look anyway. Matthew chapter 1. I'd like to read it anyway. It's the genealogy of Jesus. This is his descendants. This is where he came from. This is the blood that's running in his veins, we might say. The God of the universe, spiritually, This is the blood that runs in his veins. And verse 5 tells us, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. There she is in that genealogy. And if you look down to verse 6, the father of King David. And if you look down to verse 16, Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Who is called the Messiah. God doesn't just want to rescue us, does he? Life to death. Following Jesus now, continuing to promised land, is not just about death and alive. It's not just, well, when I die, it'll be all right. God wants to bless us, to lavish upon us the eternal gift of life in Christ Jesus. Life in Christ Jesus. And life is not dead or alive. Life is our children, our homes, our jobs, our work, our family. What makes up life? His power to destroy utterly the bondage that we are in whatever we feel trapped by, whatever we feel enslaved by, maybe generation after generation in your family, something happens. Maybe it's fathers that are always angry. Maybe it's mothers that are a bit detached. What is it in your family that God wants to destroy and say, you've got a new family now, you've got a new life. This is not how your life is going to be. And God wants to give us peace, knowing that he's sovereign. That security and joy that nothing can separate us from him anymore. A place to belong amongst his people. And a future like nothing we expected. What's God doing now in your life, in this church? It's surprising, it's weird, it's maybe not how we would have done it because it doesn't seem to be working out right now. 
It's confusing. What are we trying to hold on to that God says, I want you to let that go now? Is he using people to help us we didn't expect to help us? And is he calling you today, perhaps for the first time, to say, I want you to trust in the cross, nothing else. I want you to cling to my cross. Cling to it. That that is the thing that will give you life, true life, true deliverance, true freedom. If you want to chat afterwards, I'm more than happy to chat with you. This obviously isn't comprehensive. There's, bigger, there's always bigger questions. And we'll look at some of those in house group this week. But the prayer team will be down here to pray with you about anything you want. Whatever it is that God said to you today. Maybe he's prompting you. Make the most of it this morning. Let's pray together and then the band will come back up. Father, I thank you that you keep surprising us again and again by the way you work. We thank you that you are always at work in all people's lives. Help us to keep remembering this and be expectant of what you're doing, who you're using, and looking for the opportunities when you want to use us. Thank you for the cross, for the gift of life, and the power through the Spirit to live it. Help us cling to your cross, accepting the life you give us. Help us let go and entrust to you the things we're clinging so tightly to now. And we ask that you would do this by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.